Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Million Insights projects that the global cannabis beverage market will reach a whopping $2.8 billion by 2025, growing at a compound annual growth rate of 17.8%. To find out what is fueling this growth, we're joined by Chris Peterson, Managing Director at Carry On Wellness. That's a sparkling CBD beverage line. Welcome to the NutriCast, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. I'm happy to be here. Chris, let's back up a little bit here because you've got a very interesting story. Tell me about your background and and how you went from being an army officer to the managing director of a CBD beverage brand. <laughs> yeah, that's um it's an interesting story and I don't have kind of the the linear journey I think professionally, but I'd be happy to share that with you of course. So for me, I was an army officer for 4 years and After that, you know, I kind of bounced around a little bit. I lived in New Zealand and went to graduate school there and eventually ended up back in Chicago at business school at the University of Illinois doing an MBA. And while I was there, that happened to be during the time period of the Great Recession. And during the Great Recession, it was a challenge just kind of like it was over the past year and a half or so with the job market. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw the writing on the wall in, with regards to, you know, how am I going to be able to build a new career, sort of a career changer? And one of the things that I was able to do is collaborate with some of my classmates. And we actually created a startup that was an experiential marketing and recruiting software company while I was in business school. And I kind of launched that in order to try to find, you know, an opportunity specifically actually in brand management. And we ended up doing business with Procter & Gamble. And so in the early days of that company, I ended up taking an opportunity to work for P&G in brand management and marketing. I moved to Cincinnati and I ended up keeping that startup as sort of a side hustle for the next five years. And then in 2015, that company, the startup, which was called MBAV, really started to take off. And so I left P&G to sort of focus on a career full-time as sort of the startup founder and working in that world. And after just two years, we, we grew this, the company pretty significantly, and we reached an inflection point where we either had to hire a lot more people to help us manage the growth, or we could look for to do an M&A deal and put the company up for sale. That's exactly what we did. And about three years ago, a private equity firm in St. Louis and one of their portfolio companies ended up acquiring it. And then for the last three years, I've been working just kind of randomly and helping mentor startups. I've gotten involved with a couple as both kind of on the investor side and as kind of a founding team member. I started teaching a bit and then a year ago, Ocean Spray reached out and connected with me about an opportunity to help them launch Carry On and to spin it out and try to see where they could take it. It came out of something called the Lighthouse Incubator. Tell me about Ocean Spray's Lighthouse Innovation Incubator, because I'm sure a lot of people don't even know what that is. No, they definitely don't. And it was actually, I think that I became familiar with it. I read an article that may have been in Forbes or something. And I found the concept really intriguing. 
After working at PNG, which was a great company, I sort of had a jaded view of what entrepreneurship and corporate innovation look like because from my experience, you know, big companies are great at launching line extensions and new brands, but they're not really great at taking the startup culture and the startup processes and really kind of building true startups. But Ocean Spray was doing something different with Lighthouse where they were starting to attract talent that had been seasoned entrepreneurs and they were actually hiring them to come in and spin out startups and do sort of rapid innovation and really just bring new brands in new categories to the company to life very quickly. And I just found that incredibly compelling. So, you know, I took the call and uh, it's been a really fascinating year uh, working on it. And I kind of had it described to me as sort of like a halfway house between a true startup and corporate innovation. And I find that to actually be quite true. Okay. And how do you like that? Because I've worked on both sides. I've done corporate and I've done the startup and there's good and bad for both. So this blend kind of intrigues me. Yeah, no, actually the truth is I've actually really enjoyed it. I think having been a a startup founder, even a successful one, I understand sort of the how stressful that is to, to launch a business and grow a business and of course sell a business and just where you're worried about money coming in and paying your bills and getting funding and financing and all that kind of thing. What the ocean spray model really lends itself because the company is the lead backer. It really liberates me as sort of the hub of leading that team and leading the startup to just focus on growing the business and building it out without having to worry about all the stuff that is incredibly painful as the core founder in in trying to build it yourself. Mm -hmm. You mean in terms of finding people to financially back you and all that? Financial backing, talent management, finding the right people. I mean, we're able to tap into Ocean Spray's experts of employees in beverage development and R&D and sales, you know, all of that infrastructure that Ocean Spray's built over 90 years, we get to leverage. But I also have enough rope as a startup founder where you know, I don't have to run every little detail back by sort of the, the corporate entity itself. So it's, it's a, a wonderful kind of halfway medium between the two. Mm-hmm. And so Carry On Wellness, again, is a CBD beverage why is CBD trending among consumers? Why do you think that's so? Well, I think first and foremost, I mean, we're looking at what is it? I, you know, half of America right now, cannabis in some form is legal at the state level. So, and I believe that I saw a statistic recently, which said that something like 91% of Americans believe that cannabis, at least in terms of like its medical form should be legalized. So I think there's just a growing public acceptance for, for cannabis in general. And then with regards to CBD, you know, it's, it's a non hallucinogenic sort of functional ingredient that since the farm bill was passed in 2018 has just become, you know, the industry has really exploded. And I think that as consumers are looking for more non-pharmacologic sort of functional benefit, natural ingredients to solving some of their everyday needs. You know, CBD is one that is just riding this sort of wave of of both the, you know, the trends in cannabis and sort of the opening of the markets. 
Yeah. Another trend that we're seeing is consumers are demanding products with no sugar. And then you've got the, like you mentioned, the, the functional elements to the beverage. What are some of these different ingredients? Yeah. So I'll speak to both carry on and then certainly what we see in other drinks in the CBD space. But with regards to what we've done with carry on is I, I think, let me back up a little bit. I mean, with the research that our team has conducted, I mean, we've taken our cues from kind of a blend of both best practices in beverage in general, and that lends itself to things like just making sure that we're designing products that are growing like, you know, sparkling waters and sparkling juices, low calorie products. And also though, that we're looking for cues from sort of the broader CBD industry. So what I mean by that is in gummies and tinctures and some of the positionings of the non-beverage products, sort of those first gen CBD products, is they really position themselves as meeting need states like relaxation and physical recovery. Now we sort of have taken those cues and use those to formulate our drinks. Now we don't make any of our claims based on the CBD ingredient in it, but we incorporate some of those other nutritional boosters that you were referencing uh, in order to kind of, you know, ensure that we can make those sort of claims and, and call it that. So in our case, one of our, our two SKUs that we carry is a, it's a real blueberry juice infused sparkling water that also contains something called L-theanine, which is an extract that's also seen in green tea and that can help with relaxation benefits. It also contains some antioxidants, so antioxidant vitamin C and E. And then our other SKU is called Recover, and that one incorporates a nutrient booster called choline, which can help support muscle function, and it also can improve focus a little bit, and then it also contains vitamins. So that is what we have, but in terms of other CBD beverages that we see in the market, I mean, it's, it's kind of all over the place. I think some companies are leveraging ingredients similar to ours, but we're seeing trends with regards to adaptogens. So those are sort of more perceived um, natural, you know, I, I guess, you know, you see them more frequently in the supplement space, but some of the ones that are found in, in CBD drinks are like lemon balm, ginseng, ashwagandha, and, and some others that consumers are looking for sort of, you know, potential ancillary benefits and, and more natural ingredients. Okay. And so I was reading that you use a unique packaging process. Can you tell me about that? One of the things that I think we do different, that, that's not necessarily different, but we took great care with is the CBD industry in general has a reputation because it's not largely regulated at the federal level. So product quality can be sometimes, I think, questionable and consumers definitely have concerns about it, particularly when you're looking at a product that's, you know, in this case, for a drink, they, they generally range between $3.99 and $4.99 a can. Um, so if you're buying that, one of the things that you want to be certain of is that you're, you're getting the amount of active you know, ingredients, whether that's the vitamins, whether it's the L-theanine or whether it's the level of CBD as advertised, you wanna make sure that you have that for the duration of the shelf life. So at Ocean Spray, we actually work with a canning supplier and we sort of have a dual lined can that just ensures that 
those extra ingredients don't leach into it. And that, you know, that way you can be assured that when you buy it, the, the level of CBD, you know, in our case, it's 20 milligrams, you're going to have that on day one of the shelf life, and you're going to have that on the last day of the shelf life. So I think that's something that we do to, to sort of create more trust with our consumers. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed there's a QR code on every can as well. Yes, actually, that's something that we began to incorporate this past spring. So we're currently distributed only in Colorado. And while they don't mandate that a QR code is, is has to be on the package, um, we really are believers in transparency. And so part of our effort to do that is we've added QR codes to each of our SKUs. And so consumers can just scan them and it'll take them to a microsite, which has the independent third-party testing certificates of analysis that showcase, you know, exactly the, the CBD levels and that can from that particular batch. And so it's just a chance where if people are concerned about it, they, they can certainly check those QR codes and, and be reassured. What are some questions that you hear from consumers? I imagine there's quite a few out there because a lot of people just are still so unfamiliar with what exactly CBD is. They really are. The questions that we get are, you know, one is certainly, where can we find you? I mean, that's for our case being more of a, of a startup is where are you distributed? How can we, how can we do that? Certainly the number one question that we get, but just more broadly, I think what we do here from when we talk to consumers and we, we try, one of the things that they, they're always asking us questions, particularly if they're, maybe they're CBD curious, but they're not, they're not enthusiasts and they're not necessarily in the space. They always ask questions like, all right, you know, if I drank your product, you know, will I get high? The answer is no. CBD has, doesn't have hallucinogenic effects. And then, you know, will I pass a drug test? And I mean, the answer to that is we, we can't say, but what we can guarantee is that all of our products have less than 0.3% of THC, you know, based on dry weights, just like every other CBD brand has to have. And so, you know, I can't guarantee anything, but, you know, the odds are very, very low that you wouldn't be able to pass a drug test. Yeah. So if you're going to drink a whole case of them, you, you might fail your drug test, right? Uh, I, you know, I can't, <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, I think I, it's really, I have no, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know per se. I mean, but we design it and test it in a way where, you know, it's very, very unlikely. And I think that, you know, if people are concerned about that, that's why I would suggest that they you know, check the certificates of analysis to make sure that the, the THC levels are lower. And if they're going to go drink, you know, yeah, a thousand cans maybe, but. And so how do you educate consumers on say things like isolate versus broad spectrum versus full spectrum? I mean, I, are they even aware of what the, the differences are? I don't think consumer, what we learn is that people who are enthusiasts in the industry, they really are well-educated. They know the difference between isolates and broad and full spectrum, but I, your average consumer doesn't understand it, right? This is still a fairly nascent industry and people are really curious about it, but they're not as deeply invested. And I don't know if they are gonna pay attention quite about you know, whether it's full or broad spectrum or if it's isolate. So we don't, you know, we certainly have information about it on our website, but it's not something that we're actively educating consumers for. I mean, they can find that if they are curious, you know, they could just do their, their own research really quickly. You know, we've chosen to, to use isolate. And, you know, when we began to formulate carry on as beverage sort of experts from Ocean Spray, and, you know, we, we've done a ton of consumer research. The truth is this, at the end of the day, it's a drink. 
So the most important aspect of it, irrespective of CBD and everything else, is the fact that it has to taste good. And some of the early generation CBD waters, they, you know, if people are unprepared for what sort of flavor can, can come from particularly a broader full spectrum, um, sometimes it can provide kind of an herbal taste that if you're not ready for it, you know, it might be a little bit harsh. And so, you know, it can affect repeat rates. If you spend $5 for a can and it doesn't taste great, the odds of you coming back are not particularly great, right? So mm -hmm. when we formulate it, one of the advantages of CBD isolate is just simply that it offers a, certainly a new, neutral, clean taste. And for us, we were like, we just want to provide this, you know, a product that has CBD in it, but also tastes great. And so that was sort of the choice that we made in it. And, you know, the main difference that I would tell anyone would be CBD isolate is pure CBD. There are over 80 different cannabinoids that are in the hemp plant. And with CBD, you get, you get CBD only, but there are some other ones like CBG, CBN, that in a full or broad spectrum, I guess, formula, you might, you can get trace, like very, very small trace elements of those as well. And so if consumers are really looking for that, they could look for a broad or full spectrum. I think in our case, you know, we're always looking at ways to improve our formula and meet consumer needs. So, you know, as time goes on, you know, I don't think we're particularly married to CBD isolate forever, but certainly for now, it's what has made the most sense. And speaking of education, you are also an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at the University of Cincinnati and also an entrepreneur in residence at the 1819 Venture Lab. Yeah. What are some tips maybe you can share with our listeners who are hoping to become entrepreneurs? Oh my gosh, this is such a, it's really such a great question. I think that my advice is pretty simple, but it's tried and true. So if people follow it, they, they'll be successful. One is I think that we live in a culture today where many of our celebrities, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, and I growing up in Chicago, right? It was like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and yep. athletes, right? Like athletes were the idea of celebrity. And we, we live in this interesting time period now where certainly athletes are celebrity and pop stars, but also really successful entrepreneurs like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, you know, like these are the people that we tend to hear so much about in the news. And I think that what that can do is it gets people who are interested in becoming entrepreneurs. Sometimes you have to think to yourself that to be successful, you have to come up with an idea that's going to be world changing, like some of those major companies. And I mean, I, I was guilty of that in my early days as a startup founder. So what I would advise people to do is to really liberate themselves from the idea that to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be a unicorn company or a billionaire. And that has to be your ambition. That's number one. And then going with that would be, you know, how do you come up with your idea? And when you actually do research on all kinds of entrepreneurs, big ones, small ones, I mean, this is my own case, the easiest type of startup to found is one that is solving a problem in your own life or a problem that other people close to you have. And, and if you do that, you're going to be more passionate about it. And those are the most successful types of businesses. And it can be easier to sort of come up with an idea. The third step of that is literally to just actually do it. 
if you have an idea, talk is cheap. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many people I know who I, I consider them to be like armchair entrepreneurs. They're constantly calling me. I've got this great business idea. I want to do this thing. And maybe it's a good idea, but they just talk and talk and talk or they're like, oh, it's going to cost me, you know, a couple thousand dollars to set up, but they're not willing to invest their own resources to kind of get it off the ground. You know, I, I think that ideas are cheap and they're fast and there's billions of them. But if you don't do anything with one, then you're not an entrepreneur. So I'd say proactivity is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I think we're all guilty of being armchair entrepreneurs. So we all come up with those amazing ideas in the shower or when we're driving or whatever. But um, I like what you said. Sometimes you just have to, to step up and do it. Yeah. I mean, you can't be an entrepreneur without, I mean, I think I, I was listening to how I built this maybe four or five months ago. And I was listening to the episode with the founder of Stripe. And I, he said something that's so basic, but I, it was the first time I really had heard it articulated this way. And he basically, his definition of an entrepreneur is you can't call yourself an entrepreneur until you've sold at least $1 worth of your product. And I actually thought that was so true. So I kind of use that as my benchmark for when people can call themselves entrepreneurs now, myself included. That's a, that's good. That's sage advice right there. Uh, yeah. Any upcoming products, research projects, anything that you can share with us that we could maybe look out for in the future? Yes. So with carry on specifically, I, if you have any listeners in Colorado, I will tell them that we are going to be much more widely distributed in the coming months. So we are currently available at a majority of the Sprouts farmers markets throughout the state's and we are signing up some new distributors. So we will be expanding pretty dramatically between now and I would say September, October. I have you know, dreams and a vision for, for expanding carry on a little bit. And so I don't have anything to announce there now, but you know, certainly you'll be the first to know. Okay. Chris Peterson, Managing Director at Carry On Wellness. Thank you so much for coming here on the NutriCast today. Danielle, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. If you like what you just heard, you could subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.